Yes, coming in hot with episode 38 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who's jumped on with Steve Bruce and Chris Wilder calling a pause for the Premier League. Jobber, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, good. I'm, I'm on board with the boys. I don't know why Chris Wilder's asking for a pause. They uh, they finally strung, strung some wins together. I understand Brucey, but I can't understand why Wilder wants to pause. I, th- I think he wants more games. Get them all in there. Um, big week this week, isn't it? Maybe, maybe. Huge week, mate. Um, so we've got a flavour of the pod of some FA Cup review, some Premier League review. Then we go to some Premier League preview. Um, and then we're into transfer corner as well. But we might kick off with some weekly happenings. And the first one is hashtag AskMezit. Did you see this? So what's happened here is Mezit's gone on Twitter and had a um, an Ask Mezit section. And... Um, Someone said, would you rather play for Spurs um, or retire? And he said, I would rather retire. But then Jose's hit back with hit back at him and said, who said we were interested in signing him anyway? What do you think jo- of this? Jose's quick, isn't he? Like someone giving him that. But I thought Mesut had already retired, so I didn't really understand the initial question. <laughs> That's rich coming from him. He's got too much yeah, he's, down, he's down to three days a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's down to three days a week in that semi-retirement plan. Yeah. Um, the, the next one is um, Avran Grant um, used to manage Chelsea and did rather well with Chelsea, actually. I think he's got a high win um, percentage with Chelsea, won some trophies there. He's been targeted and apparently has been spoken to as an interim caretaker if they pull the trigger on Frank. Thoughts on this? Who's speaking, who is speaking to Avram Grant about this role? Is it Roman himself? I don't know. Just I imagine it's Roman on the yacht. Me, yeah. Maybe John Terry's talking to him. Um, yeah, oh, I think it's crazy. Why would you get a Why would you get a caretaker in when you get Allegri, who's doing nothing right now, who could really do a job with all those resources that Frank has? Seems weird. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I'm putting that one down to the to the rumor mill. I'm not sure there is too many legs in that. But the next one we've got here is. Pochettino, um, after grafting and grafting and working a way to win that first trophy for 11 days, has won a trophy with PSG. Unbelievable. Can you believe this? Unbelievable. Um, all those time he spent. Everyone's after like, all those years at Spurs. Yeah, he's thinking, oh, I'm on a farm in Argentina doing nothing. Wrong. He was waiting for the opportunity. Gets that big trophy. What is it, the Coupe de la Ligue or something? No one gave PSG. Essentially, League Cup of yeah, France. No yeah. one gave PSG a chance in this one. It's a, bit, it's a bit harsh on Tuchel, isn't it? Like he goes, "Oh, you haven't done a good enough job. Your first, like, your second game in charge is a cup final that I've got you into." Um, seems a little bit harsh on Thomas Tuchel. Four years at Spurs, no trophies. Eleven days at PSG, one trophy. So yeah, he'll go down as a legend for that club, no doubt. Um, the, the last one we've got here is Michael Owen. Um, you know he is a hilarious man, full of banter. And this week, Spurs travelled to Marine in the FA Cup. Michael was on CoComs and mentioned that um, he just had a quick question for the fans here that when a player is on the bench for Marine, does that make them a submarine? Get it? Yeah, no, I got, I, I got that one. I did hear that. <laughs> Great work, Michael. Uh, come on, Michael. <laughs> he would have loved that too. Uh, good, good on you, Michael. Go, Com. Um, one of my favorite, just just quickly off topic. One of my favorite quotes is um, from Michael is, 
Um, in the Premier League these days, you've got to have legs. If you don't have <laughs> legs, you just can't get it done in the Premier League. So, yeah, no, good insight there from Michael. Um, all right, so that is it for weekly happenings. Let's get on to the magic of the FA Cup. Um, are you still in love with the Cup first? Uh, after the weekend, I don't know if I'm still in love with it or we're sort of brooding. Um, wasn't the most enthralling round. And I feel like they're, without the crowds, this this really hurts because like someone like Marine, you know, they could fill out that stadium, get Spurs, maybe put a bit of pressure on them. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest week, was it? So um, let's, I've picked out a couple of games, obviously too many games to cover in detail, but i um, picked out a couple here. So our boys, Stockport, went down in a close match to West Ham 1-0. So Stockport out, West Ham through. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a bromance developing boys. between Mike Dean and uh, Mark Noble, wasn't there, when the fireworks went off? See the boys? Oh, around? yeah, they yeah. had their – yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a bit going on there. Um, interesting. So West Ham cruise past um, Stockport. And the next one I want to cover was a Newport County with um, Brighton Hove Albion. So uh, Newport at home, the game finished um, 1-1, went to extra time and then went to penalties and it took seven penalties from each team to separate them before Webster rolled one down the middle and got Brighton through. Um, so I think there's three divisions between Brighton and Newport. Um, so hard work made of that. Yeah, but uh, Brighton Brighton fielded a, a bit of a mishmash squad there. Um, there were a couple of stars in there. So Ben White started, Neil Mopay started, um, Basuma started, Solly March started. So there's really no excuse for going that far against Newport, is there? No, not what you need really. Some extra um, minutes under all of these players' belts at this time of year, probably not the best thing for Brighton, but they get through um, and it might be a nice distraction from the Prem. Um, so a bit of an odd one here. Um, Spurs, as you mentioned, travelled to Marine. Um, 1-5-0, but, I mean, give me your takeaways from the um, some of the pitches coming out of this game. Oh, so my favourite one is Joe Hart sitting on the, the wall. That's my favourite. And the other one is, imagine being Gareth Bale, right, and think you were playing in a Champions League final, what, three years ago? Three years ago, that sounds about right? Scoring that bike. Scoring yep. a bike to sitting on the bench against Marine. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah. There were some good pitches. The other one I liked was um, when I think there was this guy, he was sitting on his um, back he was in his backyard sitting on his shed fence, which meant that he was essentially sitting right behind Jose Mourinho in the dugout. Um, so there's a picture of him sitting on his on his shed roof and um, Jose just in front of him. Um, but, yeah, they got it done easy, 5-0. Bale did come on um, for a little cameo at the end, which was nice so to see. So what did you make of, you make of Carlos Vinicius' hat-trick and then the Mbappe celebration? Do you think it was? Do you think it was good? Like, I know we've been critical of Danny Ings for not celebrating. What do you think of the Mbappe celebration from Venetius? I, I think get your own celebration. I enjoy that um, he went and did celebrate, um, even though it was at that point was a four at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nice, nice hat trick, um, and I'm happy he celebrated. But I mean, get your own. Yeah, right? I think so, especially against Marine too. Like, surely you can do better. Do a backflip or something. Um, yeah. um, Man City, Birmingham City, 
um, Man City 3, Birmingham 0. Um, did you catch any of this? And a Man City just cruising now? Yeah, it was would have been tough for Man City to go to, to um, host Birmingham. Just shows the depth that Man City have, doesn't it? Like they fielded a very strong lineup against Birmingham. Even had time to rest John Stones. Yeah. I oh, know they're they're key at the back there. Stonesy got rested, but um, the highlight for me here was um, Bernardo Silva's volley. So I think the cross come in, it got sort of headed out, and Bernardo, as you know, is only a little fella, and the ball's bouncing about head height, and he's just jumped up and gone this little side volley. It was kind of like Pogba's, but like better, Ooh. and he just like lashed it into the top corner, <laughs> just lashed it into the top corner. Nice finish there. The second goal was a little um, Mares um, outside the foot flick down to Kevin De Bruyne, cap cut back. Um, for Silver's second goal, um, typical Man City goal that before Foden rounded it out to three nil. Um, but yeah, easy work for Man City. They get past Birmingham three nil. But let's go to probably the biggest talking point of the FA Cup, probably the main one that everyone's looked at here: Crawley Town three, Leeds United nil. In my head, I'm. Debating whether this is a shock and a cup set, as they say, or is it more just typical Leeds with the weird results? <laughs> the only thing that surprised me about this was that Leeds didn't score. Like after all that, I'm like, yeah, okay, but like they just didn't they didn't look themselves. But he, um, Marco Bielsa did make a lot of changes for this game, but there's really no excuse to go down to Crawley Town, is there? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a it's a shock, I think. I'm going to put it down as a shock. Um, but kind of, I think it'll help Leeds in the long run. Like, I think realistically they weren't going to go too deep in this cup. So, um, yeah, probably do them a favour with getting less minutes um, with all these all these players. So, yeah, probably a favour done for Leeds. Um, so that's probably all the games that we've picked out unless you wanted to cover um, Man United. Yeah, so Manchester United won uh, versus – who did they play? Bloody hell. So there was a Scott McTominay header against Watford very early. Uh, that was the highlight of this game. And that after that, that was about it. Um, Manchester United rung in the And he wore the armband too, Scott. Scott. Yeah, wore the armband, got up like a salmon, um, not at home, but um, very understrength Manchester United lineup. Um, Axel Tellez, uh, Alex Tellez, sorry, impressed. Axel Tuan's AB was okay. Donny van der Beek played well, but like it was a very, very, very understrength lineup. Um, pretty uninteresting game. But the best thing to come out of this is the draw for the next round. So I know you've picked out Cheltenham versus Manchester City as your match of the round, and obviously Manchester City, another Man, favourable hang draw. On, hang on, hang on, hang on. Man, Man City, Man City get it tough all the time, don't what? they? The, the, ball, they, the ball's just against them. They always get the hard draw. <laughs> do, you think, do you think FIFA's involved in this draw at all? Um, potentially there's some money changing hands? Yeah, this is a sweaty one. Um, but no, so look, the pick <laughs> of the fixtures by far is Manchester United versus Liverpool. How, does, how do we get this sort of luxury? I think it's twice in a week. And do do Klopp and Ollie go for it both times? Yeah. Oh, tough one, isn't it? I'm yeah, I'm buzzing that it's a double header. Um, who is at home in the FA Cup? Manchester United. Do you know? Manchester United's at home. Yeah, and so Liverpool's at home in the Prem. Yep. And Liverpool's at home in the Prem, so. 
yeah, nice little juicy doubleheader. What do you think about them just parlaying this into um, like a Champions League style um, aggregate score and then the winner takes all, takes the three points and takes the next point? Yeah, see, I was going for best of three. You'd be on board for that. I thought we'd have a third, a decider. Um, or if, if you know how to win the first two, then maybe we don't need um, the decider. But, yeah, I think best of three is probably fair, same sort of scissors, paper, rock rules. But, um, yeah, crazy. It, yeah. That, that comes right, the, out. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to cover on the draw was um, Peter Crouch's little um, cameo and his long-ass arms doing that Rod Stewart dive in. Um, a quick mention for Crouchy on that fellow podcaster, Crouchy. <laughs> He's a real entertainer, isn't he, Crouchy? All right. So... His. All right, so um, that does it for the FA Cup. Now we are on to the Premier League review. So we might start at the bottom here. We've got um, Wolves at home to Everton. Wolves 1, Everton 2. What did you think of this? And does Awobi get me into the match? Yeah, so it was a frantic start to this game, wasn't it? Um, Awobi, Alex Awobi scoring a goal was enough for surprise for me. But um, knocked it around okay. Frantic start. Awobi tucks one home. Nicely, nice build up. And then um, the thing that I liked about this goal was how quickly they switched the play. And then Dean, Luca Dean had the presence of mind to just square it up for Awobi. Like really nice goal. Not quite ideal finish, but a well, well made goal. Heavily right foot. You could tell that, by the way. He sort of opened his body and passed it into the corner. But the last time he scored for Everton was against Wolves 12 months ago. Bloody hell, that's not a great return for someone who plays that high, is it? But Wolves back in the game. So I've spoken about this before, and I'll speak about it again. A Ruben Neves volley. Is there a better sight in football? So he – nice – this is a tough volley. So sort of just above knee height, side-footed, needed some technique to get his knee over the ball and hit it into the the side, um, like just to – go past the post and squeeze it in. So good technique there for his goal to make it 1-1, but not his best volley of the game. No. Can we talk about that ball that got punched across to him and he just flicked up and then cracked? Yeah, he's he has got the best technique on the volley I think I've ever seen. Like I know you don't rate him, but wow. Ever. Yeah. Matt Letizier. Oh, Matt Letizier can hit a volley. Yeah, that's true. But the game's changed since then. Um, it, he just uh, he just has this wonderful technique for hitting volleys, Neves. Like, and he seems to he seems to like I don't know if he like creates moments for him to hit volleys or they just fall onto him and his technique just does the rest. But he seems to be hitting a lot of volleys, and it's great to see. Um, yeah. So then that makes it one-one, um, and then Everton. Um, go on and push on and, and then get the winner. Yeah, so Michael Keane talks about the winner. Do you know who I thought had a good game, and this isn't easy for me to say, I thought Jordan Pickford played well. Made a couple of good saves as well. Get him on the plane, is that what you're saying? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But he did a good job. But Michael Keane tucks the winner away there. So then Everton, good result on the road. Um, Carlo's happy again. They're into fifth. So we get Everton into fifth now, which is good for them. Yeah, good result. 
Um, good win for Everton. Really needed those points. Um, and, yeah, as you say, they, they move on up into fifth and are starting to look a little bit dangerous and get into their normal um, normal groove of <laughs> finishing fifth outside the Champions League spot back in the Moisey days. All right, let's get to the next game. Burnley nil, Manchester United won. A big one for you and your boys. Um, a Paul Pogba volley separated the teams. What did you make of this? And are you going to win the title? <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to respond to the second part of the question. I just don't think we're in the same league. But a couple of pleasing things about this game was that Burnley obviously didn't score. They don't have great record scoring against Manchester United, um, but they didn't actually have a shot on target, which is a credit to the defence of Manchester United because Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood, yeah, they can be a bit of a handful, those two. Like, it's a big, like, you know you're in for a day with those two up top. Um, but Harry and Eric Bailly handled them okay. Manchester United were fairly pedestrian in the first half. Like, you could have easily seen this game just going nowhere and petering out to a nil-old draw. But thankfully, there was some technical excellence from Paul Pogba, which got him over the line. But the big talking point, first half, big Harry Maguire, that's a goal. Surely that is a goal. Oh, um, I'm I'm really not so sure. I think he sort of leans over the top of him a bit. And no, leans over the top of him for me. um, And I would probably give a foul. I thought Paul's volley was rather nice. Um, good technique. I love Marcel's face. There's a couple of still photos of um, Marcel there um, looking rather scared as um, Pog was lining up that volley. But, yeah, as you say, technically um, he did rather well. For me, though, I think the performance of Manchester United was Eric Bay. Just the amount of blocks that he made. He seems to be making an extraordinary amount of um, blocks and um, denying sort of shots on target recently. I'm not sure if it's because he's out of position and he needs to make late lunges and then they, therefore they look more dramatic or he is genuinely um, making some blocks. But, yeah, what did you think of Eric Bay? I thought he did rather well. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm in the, the former camp there. I think he gets caught out of position a lot, hence why he has to rush and make these blocks. And he's very, he's very showy. Like, um, but I'm still sort of scorned by his errors of the past. Um, I think people are too quick to forget those. So I think he's still got a little while to go. Reasonable performance against Burnley, but you should be keeping a clean sheet against Burnley. Um, I'd like to see him be less frantic and more calm back there with his defending because he does seem to jump in a lot. Yep, agreed. So with that, Manchester United go top and they... I've jumped Liverpool for, I think, the first time in, in recent memory, really. Um, so looking good on top. For me, though, I still don't think that they've got the all the pieces they need or all the form or all the tactics they need to get it done. I'm still leaning towards Man City with Liverpool second, but we'll see what happens in that space. Um, like Burnley just continue to battle on um, just over the relegation um, spots at the moment in 16th. So we might move to the next game here. And the great escape is on. So Chris Wilder's team, Sheffield United won. Newcastle nil. Can they bloody do it? Five points. Oh, I don't think so. Um, I, just, I just don't think so. Um, it had to be a Billy Sharp penalty, but I just don't know how else they were going to score. They just don't look likely scoring. Um, Ollie Burke, I thought, played well for Sheffield United. But... 
They really do lack goals, but, geez, Newcastle were abysmal. And then Ryan Fraser getting himself sent off too. That was bad. That was a bad um, challenge. Definitely a red card for me. And so the game started to turn at that point. So I think Newcastle weren't sort of – they weren't getting battered, but they weren't in control either. But after that, I think Sheffield United sort of smelled blood and pushed on. I thought our boy Darlow played well again, get him on the plane. Um, and to be fair to Sheffield United – um, they have been losing by the odd goal. So I think it was kind of a, only a matter of time until they pinched one like this and, and got sort of the rub of the green with, with like a red card and the game opens up where they can sort of push forward um, a bit safer and not get caught on the break. So as you say, nice um, peno by um, Billy. And they had a little late scare um, late on um, with the with all the corners and all the pressure that Newcastle piled on. But Sheffield United get their first win of the season after 18 games. They move to five points they are nine points in the relegation zone, um, but sort of Fulham and West Brom have a couple of games in hand over them. So, yeah, we can't see them getting out of it, but I think at least they're going to make some sort of a fight about it, which should be nice. Okay, so we might move to the games that happened this morning. So let's do Spurs 1 at home to Fulham 1. Another good result for Fulham. I think if you were to say we offer you a point um, away to Spurs, they would have taken it. Um, but for me, probably two two points dropped from Spurs. What do you make of this? Yeah, I think I think it was two points dropped. Spurs were relatively comfortable, and you were sort of just watching the game, waiting for them to sort of run away with it, but it just didn't happen. Um, so to Fulham's credit, they hung in there, and they – they were trying very hard to hit them on the counter-attack and eventually they were able to do so. Um, someone who's been criticised a lot on this pod, uh, Lookman, yeah. put in a, a ripping ball for um, Ivan Cavallero. Great finish, lovely header, and they were level. But, yeah, I feel like Jose would be steaming about this one because they really should never have got themselves in a position to draw this game. No, I agree. I think um, like Regulon, he played really well. I think the the goal from Spurs, it was Harry Kane header, um, ball sprayed out wide from Hoiberg to Regulon, nice first touch, whipped it in, Harry Kane header. At that point, they're 1-0 up. They go in at halftime and I, I wanted them to sort of come out at halftime and go off and kill the game. But I think that's the difference with um, Jose Mourinho's team's more recently than what they used to be. They used to sort of get 1-0 up and then go ahead and kill the game, whereas, yeah, as you say, they couldn't get that goal and go off and kill the game. And as you say, Fulham did do well to hang in there um, and sort of not lose the game at that point and then were good enough to strike um, and and get the point. So, yeah, point picked up for Fulham, which is um, exactly what they need just to keep picking up points, really. They don't need to um, do too much more than that, they've got a couple of games in hand over Brighton, so if they pick up a couple of points out of that, they should find themselves well outside the rele- relegation zone. Um, but late on, Regulon got a goal disallowed too, which was a bit of a scare for um, Fulham. They could have lost it all. I think it was about 86 minutes odd or something like that, um, a little offside where Jose was halfway down the touchline and then he got pulled up by the line. How good is so. it? How good is it to see the Lionsman put his flag up? Like, we didn't need to go to yeah, Barnes. Well, we actually just made the correct call straight away. That made me so happy. Like, first of all, Spurs dropping the points. I was like, yep, that's great. And the second one was Linesman made a call for an obvious offside. I was like, thank God. We don't have to go through all the other crap of waiting and bar. And yeah. It's a good call. Um, but points dropped again. 
Points dropped again. Spurs down into six, but they do have Sheffield United um, to play next, which should be nice for them. Um, Fulham pick up another point. They go to 12 points. They are in 18th, but as I said, they do have um, a couple of games in hand on on Brighton. Um, if they win both of those, um, yeah, they still could have should could have moved up to sort of about 15th or something like that if results go their way. All right, so let's go to the title favourites as far as I'm concerned. Man City one, Brighton nil, and can we do this in reverse order? Can we start at the end with the um, Raheem Sterling penalty miss? You're not happy with Raheem, are you? Yeah, go oh, on. Honestly, that's the only thing that's separating him from being a great player and going into that next echelon is his finishing. Anyone, if you can, have a look at this peno. Oh, my God, just blazed over. Very wasteful. Um, it would have made it 2-0, but it was pretty much academic at that point. Man City were in control. But, yeah, what did you make of this? Um, clinical by Man City, but not devastating. Yeah, so I thought I thought the penalty was like a nice synopsis of the previous 90 minutes where City, like, you know, had chances, had the ball, looked good, but just lacked a bit of a cutting edge again. Um, I think they could have easily run away with this game. Like, they had chances to win it. Well, obviously, they won it, but Phil Foden, nice strike, but they had chances to put the game beyond doubt, but they just never did. And then, obviously, Sterling missed the penalty at the end there, but that's their seventh straight win in all competitions. Um, they're looking good. They're looking very they're looking good. They really, really need a striker, though, don't they? Like, um, Jesus, ever since he um, has put that mouth guard in, I don't know if you've noticed that, he's wearing a mouth guard on the top lip, looks horrendous. Um yeah, he hasn't been scoring, and then you've obviously got Aguero, who's injury prone and and hasn't really been um, getting too many minutes recently. So they really need a striker as badly as Liverpool needed centre back. Um, one of the highlights to me with this game was Sanchez, who has displaced um, the Skippy um, keeper from Australia, um, picked up a back pass, which is always nice to see. So we got to see an indirect <laughs> free kick um, in there. Um, my question for you here is. Um, Phil Foden, when is he going to drop the number 47 and pick up a real number? I think he's still doing his apprenticeship, isn't he? I think next year he'll be wearing what's De Bruyne in 10, so he can't wear that. So, no, De Bruyne's 17. Who's wearing number 10 at Manchester City? Aguero, mate. You might have heard of him. Uh, yeah, he's on the way out. Um, so maybe maybe at the end of the year, Foden gets the 10. Aguero, gone. You heard it here first. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, not sure about that. But, no, I think, um, yeah, Phil looks good. Um, Pep said at the end of the game that he's playing at the moment because he deserves to play. His intensity is much better than everyone else's and he's got a knack for goals at the moment. So, yeah, deserves his spot. Um, it's always good to see him playing England's next white hope, you would think. So that is it for the Premier League review. We have a full round of fixtures to preview now, which we'll get to. But before we do that, I just want to touch on some of the fixtures that uh, have been postponed due to COVID and have yet to be confirmed um, of a new playing date. So there is a total of six games. No, six, seven games, actually. Um, which can't be played or have been postponed. So we've got Villa Newcastle, Villa Spurs, Burnley Fulham, Everton Man City, Fulham Spurs, Leeds Southampton, Man City Southampton. All those games are yet to be rescheduled. So I am guessing that that list is going to grow given the um, state of coronavirus in the UK. But let's get to some of the preview games here. So first up, 
bit of a London derby. Arsenal Palace. What do you make of this? Arsenal at home. Yeah, so did I see correctly that Martinelli got injured again on the weekend for Arsenal? That's mm-hmm. disappointing, isn't it? They're just starting to come yeah, good. You don't sound disappointed, that's No, all. it was very much false from me, but it is disappointing to see because I like that combination of Martinelli, Saka and uh, Smith-Rowe. Um, I enjoy watching those three play together. But Arsenal haven't beaten Palace in their last four league attempts. I think Palace are going to do them. What do you think? Really? No, I think I think Arsenal have turned a corner. I think they've got their, their form and their game plan um, a little bit more settled. I think at home um, they should be too strong for Palace, but I've been impressed with Palace um, recently. So... And, and as we always say, Palace do have tools to hurt her teams with Easy and, and Zaha, that sort of that mercurial, um, mercurial type players where they don't need much of a chance and they can be sort of on the back foot for large portions of the game and hit teams on the break and, and get goals. Is this an audition for Having Will Zaha? Yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, they were going to sign – news come out this week that um, what they were – doing was going to sign Zaha and then they found Pepe and then they decided to go with Pepe in the end. So, yeah, Will stayed at Crystal Palace. But, yeah, Pepe not really working out as well as Arsenal would hope, I don't think. Oh, probably just under a pass mark, really. Um, but, yeah, for me, I think Arteta's boys will get it done, um, which should propel Arsenal um, up the table as well and eventually get them into the top half of the table. So Arsenal for me. It's crazy to think if they win this game, they'll be level on points with Chelsea. I just can't get my head around that. Um, but I don't think they will. I think Palace are going to pip them based on Will Zaha virtuoso display. So you can take that one to the bank. All right. I'll take that to the bank. Um, so out of form Wolves versus very much out of form <laughs> West Brom. Um, I don't know. If you're going on form, you're looking at like a nil or draw here, aren't you? Wolves winless in the last five, um, similar to West Brom. Who have you got? Yeah, Wolves have just been slowly, slowly going down the table, haven't they? Like they've persisted in the absence of Jimenez um, with Silva. And like he's, he seems to have – like he's got a lot of really impressive facets to his game, but he's just so young and he just doesn't have Jimenez's end product. I think that's really hurting Wolves. And Pedro Neto potentially got injured the other day as well. So I I just – I think this could be nil all. Yeah, I, I think I've got nil all too, um, as I mentioned. This, both teams don't look sharp enough. I think Sam would take that too at this he point, does. I think, after getting battered the, the week before against Arsenal and the week before that against Leeds. Um, they lost 4-0 to Arsenal. They lost 5-0 to Leeds. Um, he'll take a clean sheet and a point. And I think for Wolves to sort of – Stop the rot a little bit. Um, that would not be the worst result for them either. I mean, they're coming off a, a loss to Everton, drew with Brighton, lost to me and you, drew with Spurs and lost to Burnley. So, yeah, the form guide for this um, isn't great. But I'm probably leaning towards a draw, um, if not Wolves, to pip it. Okay, speaking of not knowing what's going to happen, <laughs> Leeds, Brighton, I, at Leeds. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I genuinely don't know. So there's, if Leeds were to have like, if the next team, you're like, oh, who's the most unpredictable? You'd say Leeds. And then after that, I think you'd say Brighton. Because some of Brighton's performances have been like excellent, um, but their results have been terrible. And obviously Leeds, every time they play, it's just an absolute wild card, isn't it? Yeah. It's, mm, it's tough. Oh, Leeds, what are you going to do with them? Um 
what I might do here for leads, I might roll a virtual dice to predict their score, <laughs> and then I might roll a virtual dice um, to predict Brighton's score. So I roll leads as dice, and they've got a two. Now I might roll again for Brighton, and it's a four. So there you go. So I've got Brighton 4-2, and that's about all the science that you can possibly have to predict a Leeds game. Honestly, who, who really knows? Yeah, Brighton need the points, bud, because I think Fulham, Fulham picked up a point this morning, um, and they're starting to look better, and Brighton are only two points above them. So if Fulham win a game and Brighton don't, Brighton are very much in the relegation zone. Would you consider this a six-pointer? Uh, no, no, not quite yet. Leads are too far yeah, out. Yeah, leads are too far out at this stage, and the teams below them have been quite poor. So I think they're all right, but um, big game for Brighton because I think they'll fancy getting points here after the performance of Crawley Town during the week. All right, let's move on to the Claret and Blue derby. West Ham at home to Burnley. What are you thinking here? Yeah, I think this one's pretty straightforward. I've got the hammers here. Um, I'm hoping my boy Mikel Antonio plays. You say that every week. I know, and he, he's probably the most injury-prone player in the Premier League. Um, generally, when teams are coming up against Burnley, they have a good record. West Ham actually have lost two of their first nine Premier League games against Burnley, but have not since lost their last three in a row without finding the net. So it's a bit of a mouthful, but they don't have a great record against Burnley. So I think this one could also be a nil-all draw. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, both teams not in the best form. Only three wins in their last 10 games between them. But I think West Ham coming off that win um, in the FA Cup and they beat Everton um, last week as well. I think Moisey's boys will get it done at home. I have a West Ham win in that game, which should do wonders for them, really, um, in the in the table. That should propel them forward and sort of kick them on into that sort of sixth and seventh spot um, rather than sort of 10, 11. It'll be interesting to see how quickly they can spend the money they got for Sebastian Allaire from Ajax. So they got 25 mil. Um, they paid 47 for Allaire. So I wonder if that's going to go straight back into the squad. Yeah, I think I think given coronavirus, some of it, it would go back into the club or back to the owners in some form. But there's a lot of teams in the market for strikers at the moment. Um, Wolves and West Ham and Man City desperately need strikers. Appreciate Man City's um, shopping aisle is slightly different to West Ham, uh, yeah, West Ham and Wolves. But I think Wolves and West Ham are definitely shopping in the same aisles. So that will be interesting. Who can attract? <laughs> Portuguese Liga. Um, yeah. All right. So. <laughs> Next one, Fulham versus Chelsea. If Frank loses this one, is he out of the job? Oh, I don't think so. I think they will persist with Frank. I think he'll get a little bit more time than most given what he's done at the club. But, yes, the clock is ticking here. But um, can ex-Chelsea legend Scott Parker get it done against um, his old team, no is the answer for me. I think Chelsea will get it done. I think they're too much for Fulham. I think Fulham are a little bit soft at the back and I think Chelsea have the players that can um, punish that. So for me, I think Chelsea will get it done unconvincingly and Fulham will have a strong showing. But I don't think that will mess Fulham up too much. I don't think they're sort of 
pitching their hopes of staying up um, in these type of fixtures. They've got to win some of the beat some of the teams that are closer down to them. Who have you got in this one? So I, I like I think Chelsea will win this game, but I've just come off watching um, Fulham steal a point at Spurs, and I, my thinking is I don't think Chelsea are a better team than Spurs, and Fulham have nicked a point against them. Um, like the attack of Sun and Kane is as good as if not better than the attack of Chelsea, and Chelsea's best point is their attack. So I think Chelsea can be got at. Um, I worry about Kurt Zuma defending one-on-one against the breakaways as well. Um, I think he's a little bit erratic, and some of his defending can be quite poor. He's very athletic, but, yeah, some of his defending, his decision-making can be quite poor. So I think Fulham can absolutely get at Chelsea in this game. Um, my boy Lookman, I think, will be in for a big one because Chelsea are going to go high. Like, Frank's teams are very creative, and, you know, they're going to – they're going to keep the ball high on the pitch. But I think Fulham in the low block could do some damage to Chelsea on the break here. So I actually – I think Chelsea will win, but I wouldn't be that surprised if Fulham could pinch a point again. Gee, you've got a short memory on Lookman. Um, I have. So. I have. We spoke about this off air. The penalty's gone. We've moved <laughs> on. He's a star in the making. And this is going to be the day that he, he lets everyone know. I just think Chelsea can absolutely be got at. And the press has just been – Absolutely hounding them all week, and Frank doesn't have the tools to solve these problems. No, he doesn't. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, could do some damage against his old club here as well. So he played in the FA Cup midweek. So let's see how he goes. I'm sure he has a point to prove. But let's go to match of the round. Leicester at home to Southampton. Um, can the Foxes get it done here and get back into control of the position? Oh, this is a tough one to pick. This is obviously not the match of the round, but um, it's a tough one to pick, isn't it? So Southampton up to seventh, Leicester in third. Um, oh, geez, this is a. Yeah, stuck me. I am stuck. I, I've been really impressed with Southampton I'll, I'll go. lately. I'll go. I'll go then. Go oh, and this might sway your mind. So Southampton um, beat Liverpool um, last week and did rather well. Ralphie was in tears. Um, Leicester's form has been a bit up and down. Um, beat Newcastle, um, drew um, with Man United, Crystal Palace, and then beat Newcastle. So a little bit patchy from Leicester as well. Mm, I think at home Leicester will be too strong for them, but I think Ralph will definitely come with a strong plan um, to combat Leicester. And I think that they're going to sit a bit deeper which won't help Leicester at all. But then eventually I think Leicester will be able to break them down. Um, so I've got Leicester by the odd goal in this fixture. What do you think? Ralphie got the plan to get it done or not? I I, I think he does. And if if Leicester want to sit deep, um, I think Ward-Prowse's free kicks are going to come into the equation more. Because like if you get sort of fouled anywhere in the attacking half, you know you're going to get a quality ball from Ward-Prowse. Um Oh, jeez, I just can't split this one. I, there's no notable absentees. Danny Ings with a great goal. He'll be flying. Jamie Vardy up the other end, obviously. Uh, I think he's what, had a birthday during the week as well. Yeah, I think we're going to have to go for a draw in this one. I just can't split them. Sit on the fence, you coward. I can't split them. I really like Southampton. Um, and I think Leicester, Leicester obviously a quality side, so I just can't split them. And coming off a win against Liverpool, um, I think a draw is probably going to be the end result of this one. All right, we are off to Villa versus Everton. 
This is a tough one too. Two, Both teams rather close to each other in the table. Yeah, two surprise packets, isn't it? Fifth versus eighth. So six points between them, but Villa have two games in hand, which on current form they probably could win, couldn't they? Yeah, they've been they've done well. I think they were a little bit unlucky last week against Manchester United not to get um, something out of that game. Mm, no, they weren't. They were just happy to be there. Um, but no, look, Villa have been very impressive. And what Dean Smith has done with them this year has been excellent. They look like a very well balanced team. Um, like Jack Grealish sort of has his own little role in there, and he gets to drift out to the left and dribble and whatnot. Um, El Ghazi's in the goals. John McGinn, I think, is a massive in for them. But um, I think in this one, I'm going to have to go with Everton, even without Calvert-Lewin. Um, potentially, he may come back this weekend, but I think Everton have just got a little bit more street smarts about them. Carlo will be able to nullify Grealish and co with his 4-4-2, because I think it won't be as much room for Grealish to dribble around. So I think Everton are going to win this one. What do you think? Mm, yeah, I think Everton are going to win this one um, away, which will be difficult for them. But I think what's going to happen here is um, Carlo's got – He's going to have the tactics to to outdo Villa here. Um, I think that Dominic Calvert-Lewin will miss this game, but I think with um, Richarlison, um, Awobi getting on the score sheet, which is nice to see. And I think with Sigerson's form recently as well, um, he fell out of the team um, earlier on in the season, but he seems to be back in favour with Carlo and doing rather well. So I think, yeah, they'll be too strong for Villa. But I think sort of Villa, I'm giving them sort of a puncher's chance in, in this game um, in terms of catching um, Everton out on the on the break. I think I'm really impressed with El Ghazi's form um, at the moment uh, and he would be in line for Player of the Month, no doubt. All right, so Tottenham versus Sheffield United. So Spurs have to travel to Sheffield United. Sheffield United finally got the monkey off the back with the first win. Um, but... You've got to think Jose's boys will have too much for Sheffield United, don't you? Yeah, I, like this game's made for Jose. I think Jose would be able to watch a um, Sheffield United game and just pick gaping holes that he knows he can um, exploit. And I think, yeah, this this is like a basic um, game for Jose tactically. And I think um, Spurs will get it done easy. And I think this could blow out here as well. Yeah, perfect. So we're both going for Spurs on this one. And I'm just too excited because... We're both going for Spurs. Who cares? Let's move on to the next game. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Finally. We've waited so long. Of course, one of these teams is top of the league. If someone had asked you in September which one would be top of the league in January and someone said Manchester United, what would you say? You'd laugh at them, right? But I don't think you don't even have to go back to September. I think you can go back a month and say, will Manchester United be top in a month? We were discussing Ollie's job a month ago. Like, it's just, I, as I said earlier in this pod, like, I appreciate that they're top, but I still just, there's just too many things that are wrong with Manchester United's team and squad and tactics to go on and get it done for the whole season, which is still, which is making me, even though they're on top, which is making me say that they can't win it. So, um, I think, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think the energy is going to be nice and electric here. I appreciate it's a it's a big fixture. And I, I'm not sure that um, this being at Liverpool is as big a deal as it otherwise would be. Um, if you went back to other meetings, like if it's at Old Trafford, you might think one thing. But if it's, um, you know, at Liverpool's ground um, and Liverpool playing in front of the 
um, cop, you might think something very different, but I don't think that's going to have a big impact on the game. But here, I just think that Liverpool have too much for them. And I think Liverpool are going to get it done, but both teams will be scoring in this game. Um, Liverpool rather brittle at the back and obviously short at the back. Um, you don't need to be on sign to work that out. And I just think with the tools that Manchester United have going forward, that they will be able to get some um, damage done on, on Liverpool. But I think Liverpool are good enough to score more than Manchester United. I'm predicting a bit of a shootout in this game and I think Liverpool will get the better of them and go back top. So, so pre-COVID last season, right, Liverpool won all their games except for one. Do you know which game they didn't win? Manchester, Manchester United. I genuinely think that Manchester United right now, um, like Bruno Fernandes looked a little bit tired, so he's had a bit of a rest during the week, so he'll be better for it. And the way that he can play, like he plays some fairly risky passes, which you want to see from an attacking midfielder, Like, but he gets the ball moving forward fast. And Liverpool with that, what do you call it, rock and roll football tender, you know, come right on top of teams and the pace of Mane and Salah and the creativity around the box and the movement is great. I think Manchester United set up well to to combat that. So we can sit, like they can sit deep and they're relatively comfortable sitting deep because like all the best things about Manchester United's attack are things that happen fast and there's distance for Rashford to run into, etc. Martial to sort of get, a bit of space to run at players. When they have to go against a low block and create, they just can't do it. So I genuinely think Manchester United will win this game. So I agree with that. I don't think that um, Liverpool are the type of team to sort of defend in, in that low block. So Klopp isn't going to change his style just because he's playing Manchester United. He'll stick to his style because he thinks it works and he thinks he can beat any team. So that makes complete sense. So I think... Liverpool will control the ball in that sense. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think Liverpool are going to have upwards of 75% possession. And I think we're really? going to see, I think see a lot of balls into the box from Alexander-Arnold too. Um, and I know he's got this, you know, turned it over 38 times or whatever during the week. I don't think Klopp would really care about that. Um, he'll still want him whipping balls into the box to put pressure on that Manchester United defence. I think Eric Bay will start instead of Lindelof because Eric Bay is good at getting in the air, you know, blocking shots. And I think there'll be a lot of that was his Lindelof can't really head the ball. Yeah, I agree. Uh, De- Eric Bayer will definitely start. I think his form warrants that, um, and he'll start next to Maguire, and Lindelof will be left out for sure. Um, Luke Shaw on the, on the left, and I don't think that's really up for debate, is it? Uh, potentially, Teller's could start, but I think I think Shaw's defensive prowess is going to give him the nod there for Manchester United. What I will be interested in seeing is whether or not Scott McTominay, Fred or Matic starts. Matic looks like he got a knock the other day, but you'd imagine Manchester United play two defensive midfielders um, and then maybe Paul Pogba out on the left so that they can accommodate Martial, Pogba, Rashford up top and then have the two holding midfielders in potentially McTominay and Fred. It'll be McTominay and Fred. Because you need the legs in there. I think if you have Matic in there, he'll get run over. Um, so, yeah, it'll, it'll be Scott McTominay and Fred with um, Bruno in front. You don't think Ollie's going to overthink this one and try and be like, oh, I'm actually a football manager. I won't let the players bully me into what spots I need to play? I hope not, and I don't think he will. Um, I, I think you have to start Paul. So, yes, he will stay, start out on the left. But I think what Liverpool do, potentially he might drift out to the right, Paul, because um, 
I think he's going to have more defensive cover there for him. So I think if you're Klopp, whatever side Paul goes on, I think you target that side to go down because um, I can't see him tracking back as hard yeah. um, or is giving as much um, protection. So this is the best so, football in English. Uh, this is the best fixture in English football by far. Um, and is this the most excited you've been for a Manchester United-Liverpool game in years? Oh, in years, but I mean, nowhere near ever, right? Like some of the clashes that, that these two had when they were both at the top, um, yeah, it was, it was different gravy. But um, yeah, really looking forward to this one. Um, as I said, I think there's going to be goals. So are you predicting goals? in? in oh, this oh, I think it's going to be a fairly cagey sort of game, but I think there'll be one or two. I don't think, I don't think you'll see as many goals as you think. So I think Manchester United have finally got that clean sheet. Um, I think Liverpool might be a little bit more circumspect than they usually are. Not a lot, but just a little bit more than usual. Um, but I think Manchester United are going to win. What's your tip? And, and the good thing is, too, if I get this wrong, I can correct myself later in the week when they play again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think Liverpool are going to win and I think they'll, they're both teams to score and Liverpool to win by the odd goal. Um, is what I've got. I just think Manu will hurt them, um, especially at the back with who Liverpool have got available. Um, having said that, I think, yeah, Liverpool's style will be too much and for Manchester United's midfield, I think they'll run over them in the midfield. So it's 3.30 Monday morning Australia time. I cannot wait. I'm already excited for it. All right, now let's go to then the biggest team in Manchester, Manchester City at home to Palace. Straightforward here for me, um, Man City win. Any objections to that? No, none at all. Um, I think City will run all over them, so that's fine for me. Um, I'd li- I'm, I'm interested to see how um, Ruben Diaz handles Wolf Zaha and Co., just because he, I think he's been so impressive this year and Pep going back to those two defensive midfielders has shored things up a bit at the back. But it would just be interesting to see with City that high and players of the quality of Zaha dribbling at Diaz, how he handles it. Um, so that's probably yeah. a bit exciting for me to see in that one. Okay, so if your prediction comes – no, if my prediction comes true that Liverpool win, so Liverpool will go to 36 points, Manchester United will stay on 36 points. I'm tipping Man City to win, so they will go to 30. Five points. So we're going to have Liverpool on top, Man U second, equal on points, and Man City one point behind them. So, I mean, it's it's getting tasty at the top there. Oh, so good to see a genuine title race, isn't it? Like, it's exciting. Very and good. if Leicester win, they'd be equal with Man City as well, would they not? On 35 <laughs> points, yeah. But with um, games in hand um, to leaning towards Man City um, to split the four teams there. Okay, so a juicy, juicy week of Prem coming up. But since it is January and the window is open, we might move to Transfer Corner. What did you see this week, mate, that um, tickled your fancy in Transfer Corner? Uh, so Mesut Ozil has been... In the, uh, in the news lately, hasn't he? He's been linked with a couple of clubs, but it looks like he's pretty close to going to Fernabache. What do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that is um, progressing rather well. There was chat of Dallas um, last week um, over in the MLS, but yeah, Fernabache um, firming up as the favourite there. I'm not sure whether that's a, a loan deal for the last year of his contract, is it, or are they actually going to move him on? I don't know. It's going to crush that move to Spurs, but isn't it? It will hurt that move to Spurs. Um, speaking of rejects sitting on the bench, Jesse Lingard could be off to Nice. 
Are you excited about this or is it a bit sad to see in one of Manchester United's apprentices sort of move out of the club? Uh, no, I think I think it's part and parcel of being a Manchester United apprentice, isn't it? Like not many people make the grade, especially in that era. Um, but Jesse Lingard did score the winner in FA Cup final once, so he does have a special place in Manchester United fans' hearts. I don't know if you remember Partiola's dance in that final. But this has been going on for way too long. I think a move is best for all parties. And Nice is a lovely spot, and I think that might fit in nicely with Jay Linz's lifestyle and brand. So happy if that one goes through. Get him off the wages and get him playing football again too. He didn't look too bad in the FA Cup, but, um, yeah, just good to see him playing football again. Yeah, that'll be good for the Facebook and the TikTok that he does. So, yeah, that should be good. Um, so next here, we've got a bit of a knock-on move here. So um, Leicester move on uh, Stamani. Um he is going to join Lyon, and therefore Lyon have then moved on Dembele, who is then going to join Atletico Madrid. So, yeah, what do you make of these sort of knock-on moves here? Yeah, so this one's this one's quite entangled, isn't it? So that got freed up because Diego Costa got released from Atletico. Is that right? Yep. So Costa gets, right. Costa gets released. Dembele comes in. Dembele's in for the ride of his life under Simeone, um, my favourite manager in the world right now. Only two goals conceded. But he's going to he's gonna be operating at another level of fitness. And then Leon have moved fast to replace him with, is he a Premier League winner, Slomani? Is that right? I think you could, I think he come the season after. I think Ajoa was there for the um, title winning season, and Stamani come after. But um, I think he, he had a lesser debut with. Um, he got a double on debut, but then we didn't really see him, and he doesn't really work with Brendy Rogers style, like uh, sort of high pressing and high pace football. Um, he's more of a traditional number nine, so not getting a lot of look ins there. I think Leicester paid a little bit of money for them. Um, sort of relative to, to Leicester's budget. So, yeah, and they're definitely taking a loss on him. He moves to Lyon on a permanent deal. Yeah, so that's that's nice for him. So the other big move of the week was Timothy Fosu-Mensah leaving Manchester United to go to Bayer Leverkusen. Um, that's official and confirmed. So he hasn't really featured a lot, Fosu-Mensah. Decent player. Hopefully it all works out for him. Um, but, yeah, that one's been confirmed last couple of days. Permanent or loan is that one? Permanent. Done. It's over. Finally got the wages off the books. Yeah, and there's no doubt they've got a buyback clause in there if it gets good. Do you think they're freeing up a spot for Messi? I don't think so. Me either. What about Jaden Sancho? Yeah, that's a better shout. Yeah, just um, I think you might have to move Dan James on, or I think if not, Dan James should move himself on once um, Sancho lands because I don't see him getting in a lot of lookings there. Um, and then now, so there's some of the confirmed stuff and stuff that's happening now. If we go to some more rumours, um, we're looking at um, Man City sniffing around Harry Kane and Man City sniffing around um, Haaland from um, Dortmund. Yeah, I think... I think Which um, one would you take? I could take Harry Kane, but there's absolutely no way. Like, they'd have to buy Spurs a new stadium to get Harry Kane across, wouldn't they? Just what Spurs need. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't see that ever happening. Um, I think they definitely need a striker, so it would be interesting to see what they do. Um, I know Luka Jovic, who I thought would have been a good option for him, is potentially going back on loan to Eintracht Frankfurt, Real Madrid. Um, he would have been an interesting prospect, but they just like weren't interested in him. But they do need a striker. Um, and I just – I don't know. If, has COVID impacted Man City or does anything impact Man City's budget? 
I don't think it impacts the the budget. Um, they did buy the League Cup, as you mentioned last week. They actually bought so. the League Cup. Like, um, but yeah, no, there's not much. Um, no, it'd be interesting to see if they can do something there. But yeah, it's they need to do something. And I think Liverpool need to go in the market for a centre back as well. So it could be interesting to see what happens there. All right, so no multi from Roger this week. Still on leave, he tells me. So um, that brings us to an end. So have you got socials for everyone? And we'll get out yep, of here. So if you want to get in touch with us, email is footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Facebook, footballplayedonpaper. Insta, at footballplayedonpaper. Twitter, at footballonpod. Um, don't forget to give us a five-star review either. Uh, very good. Um, enjoy the match of the round, Leicester versus Southampton, and the second match of the round, um, Man U versus Liverpool. Enjoy the football. 